Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 42 of the Flying Free Podcast. I have something really unique this week. This past weekend, I got together in Michigan with five of my online advocate friends for a restful, relaxing weekend, but we didn't spend the whole weekend relaxing. We actually spent a lot of it doing what we really love to do, which is talking about how we can help survivors of abuse, and we decided to record a podcast. So all six of us gathered around a little microphone in the middle of the living room floor and recorded this, and I will put pictures in the show notes in case you want to see what that looked like. We answer two listeners' questions in this podcast. One of the questions is about relationships after divorce, and another question is about finding a good church after experiencing spiritual abuse. There are lots of really good gems of wisdom from all of these experienced advocates in this episode, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. If you listen to this episode and you realize boy, I have a couple of questions or a question that I would like to ask, you can do that. If you go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash podcast, click into any of the podcast episodes and you'll see a link that will take you to a place where you can record your question and we will answer it in an upcoming episode. All right, this episode is sponsored by the Flying Free Education and Support Group, which offers a safe community along with education and coaching tools to help women of faith heal from emotional and spiritual abuse. And you can learn more about that at joinflyingfree.com. So without any further ado, let's meet our guests. Hi, everybody. It's Rachel, the Community Support Director for Flying Free. You guys have heard me here before. It's great to be up here in Michigan with all these ladies. Hi, I'm Sarah and Sarah McDougal, and I am a blogger and abuse recovery coach, and I also write books on training churches to respond better to abuse. Hi, I'm Julianne Smith. I blog at Spiritual Sounding Board, and uh, the blog covers all kinds of abuse in the church and, and Christian organizations. My name is Becky, and I am a thriver. I am out of my marriage for five years now, and I am remarried for several years to a wonderful man, and I've used a lot of Natalie's resources. My name is Kim, and I am part of Flying Free also. I am a thriver. I've been divorced, separated and divorced from my ex-husband for three years now, and life is good. Okay, we are going to play the very first question. We've got two questions today. Here comes the first one. I would like to know how you can tell in a dating relationship if you are dating an abusive person. Okay, I just think it's important to, um, before we get into this, to make note of the fact that three of the women sitting around this microphone right now are engaged to be married. So they're out of their abusive relationships, their prior relationships, and they're going to be getting married to, a, in a, they're in new relationships and then they're going to get married. One of them is getting married in one week. So we're super <laughs> excited. And that is our very own Rachel. So we're so excited for her. Another one, then two of us have been remarried for um, two years or longer. And one of us is 
in the process in the during the divorce process. So she's not moving on to a new relationship at this point. So um, that is a perspective that we're coming from. And um, one of us had a question. Okay, so in if I'm coming from my frame of reference from my current relationship now, um, I'm just wondering, Rachel, what do you think if if you have to ask this question? If your current dating partner is sh- what the red flags are, I'm wondering if that might be a bad sign. Well, it could in and of itself be a bad sign for sure. I do have to say it's tricky because for me, like I am, like my awareness level is set so high that I'm looking for anything that could possibly be a red flag. And so I honestly probably overthink it a little bit too much. So it's finding that balance is really key. But um, for me, like just the fact that my um, my now fiance treated me with so much kindness and respect. And if you see actions that are not um, within those boundaries, there that might be a red flag for sure. Mm-hmm. And I would say I'm one of the married gals. And when I started dating my now fantastic husband, um, you know, I was really worried about love Y'all bombing. Y'all see the blush in her cheeks, girl. <laughs> um, because, but I was married to an abuser who had never paid me a compliment before. So here's this new guy and he starts saying things like, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're so smart. And I actually overthought it and was super concerned, like he's love bombing, but but my gut response was he's a safe man. And so I think I had to be really careful not to overthink and be worried that every man was an abuser and mm-hmm. to trust my gut. And then the number one thing I did is watched his relationships with everyone else. He had people really respected and admired him, not because he was some fake and some charming guy. It's because he was just true and honest and kindness was his number one character quality that I respected. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that this is Sarah and I'm one of the engaged girls. Um, I think that one of the really important things is to remember that confusion and fog are signs of an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. an emotionally abusive relationship, period. If there isn't clarity, if you don't know exactly where you stand, if there's this circular conversations and you're living with this word salad kind of thing or off again, on again, you're not really sure, those are all red flags, mm-hmm. big, big, big time red flags. And um, so I would say that one of the hallmarks of a really great dating, engaged, married relationship is peace and mm-hmm. harmony. Yeah. And clarity, because I would have to say that the person who is amazing, who is in my life now, has never once left me wondering Mm -hmm. where he stands Mm -hmm. or how he feels. And I've had people in my history who are vacillating all over the place and Mm -hmm. off and on and just never knew when the other shoe was going to drop. And here's what's tricky. That feels like passion sometimes with people who um, are used to unhealthy relationships like I was, like always with the thrill of the chase and like, if I can just win him over, if I can just wear the right outfit or say the right words, he's going to love me. And it feels like such a romantic thing and it's not. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the kind, respectful man, like my fiance, um, it can feel like, oh, like, do I really love him? Because I'm not like falling all over the place trying to make him love me, you know? Like, so it's just a total rewire, total shift. The peace and the comfort of knowing where you stand is so critical um, to have when you're in a good relationship. Like that's going to be a really big characteristic. 
Mm-hmm. I would also say, um, if you have a Christian faith, um, is he is he living out each one of the fruits of the Spirit uh-huh. on almost a yes. daily basis? Yeah. Is yes. he showing that fruit in tangible ways? If you don't see it, that that to me would be a big red flag. Yeah. Well, and and nice is not a character trait. No. <laughs> no. Kind. Kindness. Kind no, is a character kindness. trait. Nice. Nice gets you nowhere except yeah. everywhere. But What's then there's the strings attached. Think? Well, I think nice is a tool that you use to get people to do what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you have to watch when you're worried about nice versus kind, you have to watch about whether or not it comes with strings attached, whether or not mm-hmm. there's this attitude of mm-hmm. but I I did that for them. Why are they treating me this way? Mm-hmm. That is nice. It is not kind. Kind is taking into consideration, looking directly at you, the person, and being nice about your specific qualities. Mm-hmm. Somebody being nice is not going to really dive into who you are as a person, but kind is going to really know you well. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? It's personal. Yes. Okay. And I want to segue off of that because this is the number one thing that you want to look for in a healthy relationship. And that is that you can be totally and completely and 100% yep. yourself, mm-hmm. not just the good parts of yourself, but you can also show up with the bad parts of yourself. And the other person embraces you as a whole package. So they are actually seeing you. So that means that you, you get to show up. So if you're feeling like every time you show up and you have a different opinion from him or you want to do something different from him and he, you, you can tell that he is chaffed by that, that's a problem. That's a huge red flag. So you don't have to, you know, so let me ask those of you who are engaged and, and you, you're remarried. Did you guys experience that when you, have you disagreed with your fiancés? Have you disagreed with your husband? And what happens when you do? Okay. So the married girl goes first here. <laughs> so we have, yes, greatly disagreed. And, but what I found the difference between an abuser and a healthy man is number one, the issues at hand were always things outside of our marriage. Mm-hmm. They were not mm-hmm. inside our relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when we co- were confronted, and I'm talking like it could be exhaustion. I know uh, there was a point where we were moving and we had a terrible time with the, the closing of the house being moved. And then we, we didn't know if we were going to be homeless for a few days because the, the dates were so far off. And it was just frustrating and overwhelming. And But when we both were at the point of frustration, we never lashed out at each other. And each of us looked at each other and said, I know. Like, I know it's hard. I, I get where you're at. Teamwork. Mm-hmm. And yes, and it's totally okay. And, um, but with an abuser, an opportunity for stress, an opportunity for frustration is only a tool to further the abuse. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Excuse to lash out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. In, or in your, for me, my first marriage, in my frustration, and I mean... I, I, I sometimes look back and can't believe the frustration I lived with now that I'm in a healthy relationship. And I would lose my temper. And then that would be therefore cause to say, oh, see, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. So it doubled, it doubled bound me to mm-hmm. an even worse situation. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I think a huge part of it is just being able to say, this is how I feel about something. Mm-hmm. And there's no price to pay. Yeah. yeah. There's and no they, there's no hell to pay for you having your own opinion and being an autonomous person. I love how you've really stressed that this weekend, <laughs> um, Becky. But just this is how I feel. And they're like, oh, okay. That's great. 
Yeah. It's, it's welcome. It's safe. It's welcome. Yeah. And it's, it's safe. It's a safe space. You have so, that safe space. I think if, if you feel afraid, and I know, Natalie, you were saying if you share a less desirable part or a different opinion and they get upset, that's obviously a huge red flag. But I think if you feel afraid to share that, like mm-hmm. instinctively you keep back parts of yourself that are different from him, even if it's not a bad part, it's just a different part, that tells you it's not a safe relationship because you're instinctively scared to actually say who you are mm-hmm. and what you think. Mm-hmm. But you could be scared at first and it not and it be a healthy relationship only yeah. because... You've been conditioned. For 20 years I was conditioned mm-hmm. to right. be afraid. Mm-hmm. And so the I, re, I remember the first time he apologized to me, I think I fell out. <laughs> because, <laughs> oh my gosh, he admitted he was wrong? Like, like what? I know. Yeah. Or the fact that I could be frustrated and it was okay. And he just gave me a hug. I remember we had to deal with a custodial issue with my youngest son and I just thought I was going to lose it because it was so unfair mm-hmm. and and he just hugged me and I just remember that's all it took mm-hmm. yes yeah. yes that's one of the characteristics of my relationship now this is Rachel that um, I realize how incredible it is I'm still healing in a lot of ways both from childhood trauma and from my previous marriage and he is just there with me. He doesn't try to fix it. He doesn't try to say some pat words. He's just giving me a hug. And a lot of times, you know, shedding a few tears with him, it's all it takes and I'm okay. And it, like what felt overwhelming to me a, a few minutes ago, is like, yeah, okay. All right. This, this will be all right. Mm-hmm. And another thing I want to um, mention is I remember reading one of the first articles I read from Natalie was a list of traits to look at. Um, for, it was a, a letter to single women, essentially. And it's all, still on the blog, I'm sure, if you want to go. It's like 12, 12 traits, um, oh. I think. 12, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. But the number one is, does he take responsibility for himself? And yeah. that is the, the key difference between an abuser and someone who is healthy. Yes. Do they take responsibility for themselves in everything? Mm-hmm. So I might be confusing two articles. No, it's. I think it's... it's it's uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it has something to do with red. I think the words red flags. Red flags. Are in there. So yeah. Or a healthy relationship, signs of a non-healthy relationship, or something like that. I feel like. I don't know. Does anyone read my blog out there? <laughs> <laughs> I bet the you guys could put it in There's... the show links and find it. There's but lots of good. Do articles. you know why it's so freeing when he accepts responsibility? Mm-hmm. We are no longer shouldering to all of it. Responsibility. Yeah. You know. Yes. yes. Exactly. You're just responsible for yourself, and mm-hmm. it's like. It's so easy. It's amazing. I know. <laughs> That's all I have to do. It feels so free. Yeah. yeah. I want to throw out another category of red flags that, um, especially for younger women, I think, like late teen girls, early 20s, like if it's your first relationship, I think sometimes if we've already been married and and been through it, we might have our own list of red flags. But um, when you're really young... Somebody who pushes the boundaries can seem super exciting, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And risk-taking behaviors can mm-hmm. seem like adventure mm-hmm. and excitement and spontaneity, and this is never going to be boring. But really, a lot of the categories of risk-taking behaviors 
are highly self-centered mm-hmm. and low in empathy. Mm-hmm. So if someone doesn't care that they're driving recklessly and taking the lives of their passengers in their hands and breaking the speeding laws or whatever, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's someone who doesn't care about rules and someone who thinks that having fun is more important than being safe. Mm-hmm. That's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Someone who gets road rage when someone else cuts them off or is driving slow means that things that they can't control are going to piss them off. Mm -hmm. And someone who treats waiters or cash register clerks with less than human respect because they made a mistake or their food didn't come right is someone who later is going to cut you down Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be a person to them later either. So like that lack of kindness and those big risk-taking, thrill-seeking behaviors are often signs of reduced empathy and and a total disregard. And that'll be the person who later, when they have an addiction or a porn habit or whatever, they're going to excuse major moral failures in themselves and they're going to take you to task for not loading the dishwasher right. Mm-hmm. So, so they're going to have good. this like huge double standard. So yep. if, and, and that's really a good way to put it. If they have mm-hmm. a double standard, like there's always a good reason for stupid stuff they did yeah. or yeah. wrong stuff they did or like big, huge, stupid stuff they mm-hmm. did. But everyone else, they shred them and they're super judgy and critical for mm-hmm. small mistakes. Yep. That is going to make your life a living hell yep. later. Mm-hmm. It is. And your kids. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you could kind of put a test to mm-hmm. them um, and I did this with my now husband. Um, I have five kids, and so I would purposely say no to t- when he invited me to do something to test. And I'd say I want to spend time with my kids, and I wanted to see because an abuser is not going to want to be told no. Mm-hmm. They want to isolate you. They want your time, mm-hmm. and even if it's your kids or maybe it's girl. So first it was I. I did it with kids, <laughs> then I did it with girlfriends, and I just wanted to push the limit and see, so w- what is he going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, is he going to, because in dating, it's going to come out, mm-hmm. and, and it didn't. In fact, he's texted me probably 10 times, I really hope you're enjoying those women in Michigan. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. so sweet. Yeah. I, I, oh. My- Oh, I was just going to say, my husband right now in Minnesota is cleaning our house today. And you got to listen to what Kim, she is hosting us, listen to what her fiance has been doing. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but but you should. He's been coming and doing the dishes for us uh, this weekend. He's he's amazing. But one thing I wanted to say, and, and this is something about him that I had to keep reminding myself of is that um check to see if if this person that you're dating or whatever if he's had long lasting relationships around him friendships um Mm -hmm. that's one thing that my guy he's had friends for 30 you know 25 Mm -hmm. 30 years and um that that i think too is a testament to how he's gonna he treats those around him Mm -hmm. yeah really good. All right, we're going to move on to the next question. Can can we do this? We promised this this reader that we oh, would would do that. Yes, but, but and the next right. question doesn't have so yeah. we we got we we did a live video on on my page earlier and we got this question we didn't have time to answer it. So we promised them we'd we'd answer it here. And she asks, "Can y'all crack this open?" And she puts this meme 
end. And it says, if you're dating someone who's been subjected to abuse or mistreatment and you notice them idealizing you for treating them with basic respect, don't take the ego boost. Tell them they are always entitled to basic kindness and respect in every relationship. And underneath, she says, I've heard it called like Cinderella syndrome, mm-hmm. where like just the kind, the, the smallest shred of kindness mm-hmm. there, and, and all of a sudden you're just amazing because you, you did something right. extremely basic. Because if you've been abused, you don't expect that you deserve any of that. Yeah. So what, what do you guys well, think of... What do you have to say okay, this is this is Kim again, the guy that's the, I have the guy that's been doing the dishes. <laughs> but I say this to him so much. It's so funny you say this because I say you're just so wonderful and he he is so humble and he'll say I'm really not mm. you just had the bar set so low mm. in your in mm. your previous relationship. So he's there's still that humility and I mm. I would watch for that. Definitely watch for humility in yeah. any future relationship. Mm-hmm. And and also something there's a comment under that is victims who've been deprived under normal human compassion and kindness, deprived of normal human compassion and kindness can feel extremely indebted to those mm. who show it. So if someone's treating you with basic human respect, that yeah. doesn't necessarily need to create a sense of obligation and indebtedness. I know I struggle with this. Like my guy is yeah. a lot like yours yeah. and he will do things and I'll just be like, oh my goodness. And instinctively I'm thinking, what do I need to do back? Like how do I need to balance yeah. the debt right. ratio here? And and, and I, I don't. Sometimes, yeah, you yeah. don't. You just right. have to rest. And that blows my that, mind still. I'm years out of it. That. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's it, hard. I'm it's getting hard. better at that now yeah. for sure. It's really hard. I think it's something you learn too. So we're in like year three or something like that. You know, you get old, you don't count anymore. <laughs> and, um, but I know that it, it was a big transition to be married again because something clicked in my brain and thought, oh, all of a sudden I have to make sure he's happy all the time and all this in it. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful, even you gals, when you get married, that the brain doesn't kind of revert back to, oh, now I'm in marriage. Mm-hmm. And all that crap that we were taught or lived under yeah. That says it's all about him, and he's mm-hmm. the one that deserves a great life at at every expense I can give him. And it didn't take me long because my husband would go, "Would you stop doing that? Like, go go shopping for yourself and buy yourself something, or like, mm-hmm. you know, go go do something. You need to take a break. You've not taken a break. You're not sleeping enough hours. You need to sleep more." Mm-hmm. And so it was it was neat to go from it was just another step of of learning healthiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, we're going to listen to the next question now. Hi, I have been through divorce a year and a half ago and was in an emotionally and physically abusive relationship before that period. I think my biggest struggle right now is trying to figure out how to get back into a church, period. I guess I'm not texting. Sorry. (laughs) I would like to be involved with a church family again, but due to the emotional trauma that came as a result of trying to get help from addictions in the family and then having it destroy my marriage, I don't trust the church anymore. And I was shunned by them, and I know that you, Natalie, have explained some similar 
um, things that have happened to you, but, and maybe I've missed it somewhere on your website, but I just don't, I gag when I go to church. I don't want to listen to the messages. I feel like people are fake and they don't really want to help. They just want you to do all the right things. And hi, this is Julianne. I, um, again, I'm blogger at spiritual sounding board. So spiritual abuses is my area of expertise, I, I guess. Um, you, you are in a really difficult place. And from the sound of your voice, I sense that you haven't fully gotten over the trauma that you experienced. And I believe you, and it sounds really, really painful. Um, so the first thing I would encourage you to do is to reach out to people who are safe, who understand spiritual abuse, read about it. There, there are a couple of books um, online that are available for free. Um, you can contact me, um, but really work on your healing because spiritual abuse, it just really cuts to the core. Now, another issue, um, now I just started back to church recently, and I'll tell you what I did. I went, I Googled churches near me, <laughs> and I literally looked up every church, and I poured over their website, and I was looking for things like how they view women, um, some, you know, i I'm now egalitarian, so I didn't want to go to a church that has a power over situation of husbands over wives. Um, I looked at their um, beliefs on marriage, on remarriage. I looked at um, how they handled addictions or if there was anything mentioned like that. I saw if they were involved in the community or not. Um, you can get a really good picture of a church just by going to their website, and you can weed out a ton. So that's that's the first thing that I would recommend. Then what I also did was I went to the uh, a meeting that they held to ask questions about the church. So I brought my list of questions and just ran through my list. And you you want to have them answered. You want to have most of your, your concerns answered. How are you going to deal with abuse? How are you guys going to deal with addiction? What do you, what are your beliefs on remarriage? What, what are your beliefs on domestic violence? Um, where, where's a woman's place in a church? Those types of questions are, are kind of like what I was asking. So do that. And, and you don't have to be settled and, you know, you can try out a church for a little bit, tell the pastor, hey, you know what, I'm just going to hang for, a, you know, maybe a few weeks. I'm just testing the waters. Um, see what happens if you say, I was really harmed in the church. How do they respond to that? Are they going to be sympathetic or are they going to say, what did you do to cause it? Or, you know, you're going to get a feel by their response. Are they empathetic? Are they encouraging? Do they uh, and say, you know, boy, that is really tough. Um, I, I want to do whatever I can do to help you. That's the kind of stuff that you need to look for. Um, it, it is possible to find a safe church. They are, it is hard when you've gone through it, but give yourself some time. And another thing I would say is also don't guilt yourself 
if you haven't gone to a church right away, even for a year, um, I think God can handle it. You know, Mm -hmm. I really think that he can. And I know that he grieves when his people are harmed and especially women and children. So you take your time and do what you need to do to get to that healthy place and start getting your feet wet again. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, there are going to be some of you listening who maybe live in more rural areas and you may, or in small towns, and you maybe only have a, a limited number of choices of churches, and maybe you've already vetted all of them and you realize that all of, none of them are really safe. In that case, um, you may do what some of us have done, which is just, we just don't go to church anymore. But that doesn't mean that we are not in fellowship with the believers. We're in fellowship online. We are listening to um, really good preaching. There's some great preachers out there. You don't have to go to their church to access them. You can listen to them online. You can find their their sermons.org. Um, there, some of them like Woodland Hills church, um, Greg Boyd has a podcast. I think it's just called Woodlands Hills church. Church. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, there's other ones that you can find if you should really put together some kind of a resource, actually go to Julianne's spiritual sounding board. Do you have a resource list of people to good people? I don't, I I don't have a list, but I do know, uh, Bentry Baptist is very, um, compassionate towards women and abuse. So that, is that an online resource? They they do have online church every week. Oh. Yeah. Bent Tree Baptist? Bent Tree Baptist, yeah. They're wonderful. Who's the pastor there? Um, oh, I can't remember, but I know Mitch Little is one of the um, elders, and he preaches, and he preached on domestic violence um, and connected with me at one time about that. So um, I know he's really good. And, you know, when somebody's willing to talk about abuse from the pulpit, Mm -hmm. you, and you know, you got a good church (laughs) probably. Going to church is something that a lot of us who have come out of conservative environments, we have been raised to believe that that's, you may not even be a Christian, but for certain, sure, you're a bad Christian or, or whatever. Backslidden. Yeah. Backslidden (laughs) Christian. Um, that is simply not true, and that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? The, our relationship with Jesus Christ is not determined by how much we read the Bible, how much we pray, how much time we put into church ministry, how many times we show up at church. That is, that's legalistic living. Our relationship with God is between us and, and Jesus Christ, and we can have, you can actually have, you know, quote, unquote, church in your living room or at a coffee shop mm-hmm. with a Christian friend. Yep. You can worship God all day long w- with your uh, earphones or whatever they're called. I earphones? Earbuds. Earbuds. <laughs> you can um you can so it it's not you can you can read your bible on your own. You can do a bible study on your own. So I just think that we need to start changing our paradigm of what what the church, the global church of Jesus Christ actually is. There's a lot of people in this world on planet Earth who can't who don't go to a building on Sunday mornings. That's a very American, you know, idea of how to do church. 
And we just have to kind of open our minds up to a more organic idea of what church is. I'm not, I'm not, believe me, I'm not dissing church or anything. And well, let's like, why don't you go around and I'm sort of blabbing now, go around and say how you've maybe handled this whole thing. Do you go to church? Do you not go to church? What did you, I'll what start. You, okay. Um, so I'm Becky, the married one, still in love. Um, no. so, um, we're, we're talking about courage now, Becky. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, no, so I, I will tell you as, as I was listening to these gals talk about church, I was instantly reminded that I think the doctrine of going to church on Sunday was so, so steep in me that the Lord had to use years before I divorced to actually wean me off of that because I was put in a position to travel about seven months out of the year and I couldn't go to church on Sunday. And I just felt like there's no way I could be a Christian, but yet I had to put food on the table for my kids. And I just remember very vividly the Lord saying at, at a point of very low thinking, you know, problems in my life, which were really my abuser's problems, uh, were because I wasn't going to church and, you know, ticking off all the check boxes of Christianity. And, and the Lord just said, Becky, sojourn as Abraham did. And for, for seven years, um, that's what I did. I, I, the one thing people can never take from you, as Corey Ten Boone said, is the power of prayer. They cannot take away prayer. So you can commune with God all day long through, through, through conversations. Lord, what do you, what, I thought this, what, what do you think? Is this the right way of thinking? What verse do you want me to study today? And so today I do not go to church currently. Um, I'm not going to say if that's a forever condition, but I do live in a rural community. And when I attend church, I am triggered often by their uh, second class uh, submissive doormat theology that runs rampant in the South. Um, and so I have not been able to find a place that I feel comfortable with. And so what I do is I have great friends who are Christians and I have an online community and I, I read a lot of theology books. And, and what I love about being away from the church is that it has allowed me to think questions that if I was in church, I could not think. And it has given me a bigger view of God, a bigger view of his love for women and an understanding that he created me completely equal. And I know we say that, but I don't know that we really know what that means. So that's me. Mm, thank you. Okay. Um, I speak at a lot of churches, so I'm in church often. And I take my children to church as well because I want them to have an experience that is untainted with some of the things that I have been through. And I think that's important to them. It's where a lot of their friends are and so on. But what I can say is that the one year that I experienced the most explosive spiritual healing and growth was a year when I decided, um, I had faced a, a big personal loss and I realized that if I didn't get out ahead of it, um, I was going to spiral down and I was going to get really discouraged and then I was going to have to pull back up out of that place. And so I started thinking, how can I, and this is, this is after I had been a single parent for a while. So this was not my, my divorce. This was something later. And I remember thinking, how can I get out ahead of this so that I am closely connected with God and that I stay strong? So what I did was I asked 
two or three of my girlfriends, I said, I have this radical idea. I want to do 40 days of prayer in community. And we lived in all four time zones of the U.S. So nobody was local. And I didn't have like this knit community of really close girlfriends in my town that I could rely on. And I know there are a lot of women like that, like your, your friends are someplace else. Mm -hmm. So I messaged a couple of friends and I said, I'd like to do 40 days of prayer and read the Bible and no other books. Now, I, I think other people's books are great. I'm not being right. like some kind of purist where you can't read anything written by another person in this century. But for this season of time, I wanted to go back to just what God says and not have it filtered through other people's opinion. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to spend time every single day and not miss a day for 40 days of reconnecting with God and praying out loud. I said, I feel like my prayer life really needs a boost are you guys game? Because this is radical. Like if we commit to this, we're going to try to find a time every single day for 40 days. Over the next 40 days, so we started out and it's like 10 minutes long. Like, okay, we're going to pray. What do you want to pray about? Okay, we're going to pray. And then like 10, 15 minutes and we're done. By the time we, we were done, 40 days later, we were spending two and a half hours or more a day together for that period of time. And it felt like it was too little. And nobody was telling us we had to do this but we were enjoying so much the stuff that we were learning and all we were doing was asking God, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to learn today? How do you want to guide our conversation? And then praying about stuff. And we were seeing things start to happen as so we got done. We were like, we don't want this to quit. You want to sign on for another 40 days? So we did. And then the third 40 days, we had another girlfriend who's like, I keep hearing what you're saying. Can I get in on this? And it mushroomed from there and we eventually like couldn't sustain that much. I mean, that was a lot and it's for a short period of time. But my biggest personal growth in spiritual healing after not wanting to be in church was when I came completely away from church and connected with other girls and said, I want to do this radical thing that's just all about Jesus mm. and no preconceived ideas and just see what God has to speak to us as women directly with nobody else in between. Mm. And that was really life transforming. Wow. I love that. I was thinking so that about was maybe putting, putting an advertisement for my book right after you say, you know, we didn't read any books. We only read the Bible. And I thought maybe I'd put my ad for my book. Right you now. should do that. But you know what? If you do that, can you put an ad for mine right after that book? Too? <laughs> but, but you know, I just, just coming away from what everything that is contrived that we're told worship is supposed to look like right. and saying, okay, you know what? Me on the phone with a girlfriend praying for our kids together, that can be worship too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's so true. That's worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it counts. Anyway. What are you doing, Rachel? Yeah, so my really my um, experience with God was, I've, I've been a Christian since I was really little, but I was always so wrapped in shame because I had a marriage that sucked and my family didn't look like anything that the other people in, in my church looked like as far as when I was growing up. And then my marriage, I was just never able to get... The, the, the type of, you know, ideal picture of a Christian marriage that I, I thought that I was getting. So I was so ashamed of that. But when I started this process of waking up and everything, my 
relationship with God got lit on fire. It was amazing. I couldn't, I had always struggled to, to read my Bible every day. I couldn't get enough of his word. Um, I couldn't get enough of finding out who he was. And it was, a, it was a radical idea to actually go to the Bible and see for myself who he was. So, um, my church, the church that we were going to as a family before I got divorced, um, it could have been worse when I went to them with what I was doing. Um, my pastor was, he's, he wasn't very educated in it, but, um, was supportive and wanting to see what, you know, what we could do or whatever. And then my husband got to him, my ex-husband got to him. And, um, you know, so then when I made the decision to divorce, I went up to him one day after service and said, I'm going to get divorced. And he's like, well, there's two sides to every story. And I was like, okay. And honestly, I haven't talked to him since. And I still go, I still volunteer in the youth group. My son goes to youth group there. So it's been important. I'm sort of at a place where I don't really know what the future holds for me with the church. Um, But I do feel like I'm supposed to be um, helping with the youth group. But I, it's, it's hard for me to sit in the service because I, um, it's very classical Christian, like, you know, die to yourself type messages that honestly sort of enable abuse. They're never nuanced enough in order to, um, help you see how things really should be structured. Um, so I, I also listen to sermons all the time online and have fellowship. And so just making it what I can do with worship and fellowship has been really good and freeing for me. So I don't know what the future holds, but, um, this is where I am right now. Okay, I. Does did anyone? I take, yeah. Did I take? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so I um, I left a church where um, the my the the church folded. Let's just say that. And so I was. I already explained. This is Julianne. I already explained how I went through the website and stuff like that. But my church. I'm just so thrilled because I've been able to go to coffee a couple, maybe two or three times with my pastors, and just share my heart. Um, I ask them, what are your goals? What are your visions for the church? Um, how can you see me used in ministry? Because I would like to uh, be a part of that. And um, I just like what I hear. And I, I, they are so interested in people who are oppressed. They are interested in people who have been harmed by the church. I mean, they're speaking my language. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, how in the world did I find this? But to me, that's church. When you are seeking people who are harmed and, you know, in the community and in, also in the church. So to me, you know, our, our heart and our core lined together, uh, aligned together. And so I'm really excited about that. I mean, I know there is no perfect church, definitely. But to me, this church has everything on the table that I'm looking for, and they're open and honest and humble too. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been pretty excited about some of the messages. I've seen how they're applicable to be to me in my life. And it's like this, this is so refreshing. So there is some positive stuff. If you look hard, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's not in your area, but you know, maybe it is online. Um, so that there is that possibility. And one thing that you could do is like, um, 
oh my goodness, Natalie was saying, you know, you could have it at home. I know of a, of a group of about 20 people and it's husbands and wives and singles and they get together, I think it's once a week, once a month, but then um, every other week they do a community outreach and they're helping the domestic violence shelter. Um, so they're, they're being the hands and feet of Jesus in the community. So, you know, that's a, a really cool option as well. Yeah. And to me, that's church. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. anyway, I, I just want to leave you with some encouragement. You can find hope and peace at church. Um, just always, we should always be on guard, you know, yeah. but we want to keep that in balance as much as possible. So, yeah. yeah. You mentioned two, you mentioned two books, um, that you said were free online. Do you know the names of those or could we put that, those links in the show notes maybe? I, I think the subtle power of spiritual abuse and Is that, Vaughn? Vaughn, Is that free though? I think there's two of them that are free. Um, I have them on my website okay. on the resources. All right, we'll all link to those then. Okay. In the show notes. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next week, fly free.